Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Well, good morning. We're glad you could join us as we're finishing up Habakkuk today. And, uh, you know, you're even on time. So pat yourself on the back because no one else can touch you anyway, right? Uh, Well, have you ever heard of the time uh, in World War II when God showed up too late? I mean, we all seem to expect him to show up at at just the right time, right before the cutoff, right before the bell. Uh, But what happens when he doesn't? Well, if you know anything about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he was a German pastor during the the rise of of Hitler uh, leading into World War II. And he was actually a part of the plot to kill Hitler and to take Germany back from the inside. And when the plan failed, he ended up in prison for about two years. Once Hitler heard of the plot, um, in one of his last acts of hatred, uh, he demanded the conspirators to be killed including Bonhoeffer. So Bonhoeffer was executed, and two weeks later, that, that very same prison camp was liberated by the Allied forces. Two weeks later. They were two weeks too late. And in just one more week, Hitler would commit suicide. Was God late? From a human perspective... Imagine the countless people praying for this pastor, two years of of imprisonment, only to die two weeks before he would be set free. Was God too late? If you read Bonhoeffer's writings, he spent so much time with God that he knew what was coming and even welcomed it. In fact, the, the doctor at the prison said that in his 50 years As a doctor, he had never seen someone die so entirely submissive to the will of God. So was God too late? We're finishing up Habakkuk today uh, where we've been looking at what it looks like to have a strong faith even when the whole world is collapsing around you. And with all the uncertainty in our world right now, we're, we're all watching and, and waiting for, for some kind of assurance that everything's going to be okay. Well, God offers some assurance to Habakkuk, but it's not necessarily the assurance that he's looking for. We saw last week Habakkuk wrestling with God. He's, he's anxious about this Babylonian army invading. He's complaining about the injustice in the world and the fact that, that things are just not the way they're supposed to be. And we saw the week before, he's got this vision and this upward movement in the book, so that, that by the end, he has this, this vision of being like a sure-footed deer on the top of a mountain with total assurance in God. But how does he get there? How, how does he go from one extreme to the other? And how do we get there? Today, we're looking at what Habakkuk did right in the thick of it, right in the waiting. And so we'll, we'll, he'll have a change of tune, uh, as we've seen, a change of perspective. But, but this section right here is his rehearsal for that final song, that final performance. How do you wait on God? What does that even look like? What does it even mean? That's what we're looking at today. 
So we're starting in chapter 2, and Habakkuk, remember, he just got done complaining about the circumstances around him and, and how things aren't the way they're supposed to be, and his whole world is about to come crashing down when the Babylonians invade. And he's in the middle of that wrestling match with God. And remember, this is part of a healthy relationship with God. He can take our questions and our complaints. We need to practice this kind of honesty with him. But now when he ends his complaint, it's as if he takes a breath. And he says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. This picture of Habakkuk in his watchtower on the city wall, it's a picture of isolation and focus because the watchmen, they couldn't have any kind of distractions. They had to be vigilant in, in watching, uh, watching the city, keeping watch for what was coming over the hill. So he's isolated. He's starting to get a better vantage point. You might even say he's social distancing. And here's the irony for us right now. We're lonely and isolated in our homes during this quarantine, but that does not mean that we're all in the watchtower. Think about all of our normal excuses for for why we don't spend time with God and wait to hear from Him and see His perspective. They've almost all been stripped away. Sports, work, school. We're, We're stuck at home and thrust into this isolation, into a context where we have free time on our hands. But can we say We're in the watchtower. We tend to just fill our time. We have to stay busy. I'm I'm actually hearing that Home Depot is swamped right now uh, because we're filling up our time with home improvement projects. I can tell you that I'm on social media a lot more right now because it's my only outlet to the outside world. In fact, in our dynamic marriage class this week, we were talking through family commitments and and looking at... uh, trying to stay off of our devices during family time. And I told him, it's all family time right now. I can't, this is my only, this is my only outlet. And it's all family time, work, school. The family is always there. It's my only escape into the real, into the, the, the other world. And so these are all good things. But ask yourself this question, am I taking advantage of, of this time to be still and to hear what, what God would say to me. I'm not suggesting ditching social media, but let's not fill the time with trivial things either. The watchtower, is, it, it's full of silence and, and solitude, but it's also about getting to higher ground so you can see things from a different point of view. Do you want to get to that higher vantage point? Do you want to see God's perspective on this pandemic? that we need to make sure we're lifting our heads above the social media and its, its endless speculations, above the news cycle and, and, and its endless charts, above the anxiety of the unknown. And we gotta see what God has to say to our hearts in the stillness. What does he wanna show us from his perspective? So this is the beginning of Habakkuk's movement upward toward God's perspective. He's he's positioning himself in a context where he can see what's coming. It's either going to be the Babylonians coming over the hill or he's going to see the salvation of God. 
But he's going to stand there and not move until he sees it. He says, I will stand. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not hunkering down. I'm not running away. He's obstinate. He's persistent. And he says, I'm going to look and see what he will say to me. He's not just listening. He's looking too. He's already given God his his human perspective in, in chapter one. And now he's committing himself to seeing things from God's perspective. He wants to see things from God's eyes. And God responds to him, starting in verse 2. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation. Make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. In other words, this is for later. It's going to linger. It's going to seem like it's held up, like it's it's late in coming, but wait for it. Look at these promises. It will not prove false. It will not delay. It's coming on time, even if it doesn't seem like it. This is not a... It's no prosperity gospel message. I can't tell you at the end of this. I I can't tell you if this is going to be a time when you'll see the salvation that you're looking for, that you're wanting coming over that hill. The end of Habakkuk ends with them being taken away into captivity. It's not a happy ending, not from our perspective. Most of us would be thinking that all the time in the watchtower was wasted because we didn't even get the answer to the prayer that that we thought we we needed or at least wanted. If we saw the army coming over the hill, we might have thought that God turned his back and forgot forgot us. But that's part of the point of the watchtower. What kind of person am I going to be even when things aren't going right? Even when things aren't the way that they're supposed to be? What if God is preparing us to be a people who can be the carriers of hope even when the world as we know it is being carried away? Do you know that feeling of anxiously waiting? What happens when God doesn't answer my prayer the way that I want him to? Does it mean that the time in the watchtower is wasted? Maybe you've prayed for healing and it hasn't come. Maybe you've been praying for a job or a promotion and someone else got it. Or maybe your business is on the, you're on the cusp of losing it. Or maybe you've lost a loved one. I know people in every one of these categories right now. We gather every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to pray for a long list of people in our church who are hurting. And uh, many of those people, they stay on that list for a long time because we don't see any change in their situation and we keep praying for them. And to be honest, there's weeks that we look at each other in there and we go, what are we doing? Why are we still, how is this still going on? We have to remind each other what it means to pray in those situations. If God doesn't answer in the way that you want, was the prayer a waste of time? Do you stand up in that watchtower for nothing? No. God is doing something in you. 
Hear the words of scripture, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, it will not delay. Habakkuk ends on a high note, but Babylon ultimately conquered them. That's the end of this story, but it wasn't the end. Ultimately, what they saw coming over that hill wasn't some Calvary coming to save them. It was Calvary coming over the hill to wipe out and destroy and take them captive. Tell me, how in the world does Habakkuk go from complaining to God about injustice to this vision in the watchtower of going into captivity to then this this vision of rejoicing in God and and feeling like a deer, a sure-footed deer on a mountain? How does he go from from one extreme to the other? The answer is found in the waiting. It's found in waiting faithfully. Look at at 2-4. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Some versions say faith. Your Bible might have the righteous live by faith. And, and they'll put faithfulness in a footnote because this, this is quoted in the New Testament as faith. You might think of Romans 1 where he's saying the righteous will live by faith. But the Hebrew word here, it specifically means faithfulness, not faith. In the midst of waiting, he's, he's emphasizing that we need to stick it out to the end. But these aren't opposed to each other. Faith and faithfulness are tied so closely together Because the only way to be faithful in our waiting, the only way to be faithful in our waiting is to have faith in the one who promises that he's going to show up. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will not prove false. It will not delay. But God's response, his his promise uh, that they're supposed to wait for, it's very odd here. God responds by giving them a song to sing. He tells them of a time when after they're they're captured, uh, when they will taunt Babylon with a song. Look at Habakkuk 2.6. Will not all of them taunt him, meaning Babylon, with ridicule and scorn? The taunting here, the Hebrew word literally refers to a satirical song. It's a song of satire. It's a taunt song. Now, you don't typically taunt your captors if you know what's good for you. So this is an ironic song because even though they're about to go into captivity, God's song is made up of five laments, not for the people who are about to go, but for Babylon. It's ironic. It's meant to be a satirical taunt. It's signaling the eventual deliverance when he would bring his people back into their land. And the rest of chapter 2 is this taunt song. But it also includes a hint that God is sovereign even in the middle of the captivity, even in the middle of judging the nation of Babylon, even before he brings us back. He's doing something. Habakkuk 2.14 says that for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God is filling the earth with his glory. But he's also bringing people to himself through that knowledge. He's always moving, even when things look bleak. He's got a plan. And we're going to come back to this taunt song, but 
look at Habakkuk's response. Chapter 3 is this change of tune that we've already uh, seen in the first week. It's a, it's a song. And it's what, it's what he's rehearsing in the waiting. What does it look like to wait on God? Well, we've, we've seen that it means standing your ground in the watchtower. Getting alone with him. Focusing on his promises. Getting your eyes above the situation. It means pulling our head out of the constant distractions, seeing things from his perspective. But another big part of waiting on God is rehearsing who he is and what he's done. Habakkuk 3.2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. This song that that Habakkuk performs in in chapter 3 is a rehearsal of who God is and what he's done for them. He goes through and he recites all the ways that God cares for his people, all the ways that that he saved them in the past, and, and he knows that what is eventually coming over that hill for them is the Babylonians, but he's rehearsing the song that they will be singing as they go. It reminded me this week of the band that was playing when the Titanic was going down. And this wasn't just part of the movie. When I first saw it, I thought that it was some cheesy part of of the movie itself. They continued to play as the Titanic sunk into the ocean in order to calm the other passengers. This band rehearsed so much that they were actually expected to learn the whole uh, White Star Line songbook by heart. 352 songs. I'll tell you as a musician, that is a lot of rehearsing to know 352 songs by heart. And after the Titanic hit the iceberg, this brave band played their instruments while while terrified passengers made their way to the lifeboats up until the very last moments that the ship was afloat. Many of the survivors actually said that the band continued to play to the very end. And the the final song that's played, one of the passengers on board, one of the first class passengers recalled that uh, it was a hymn called My God Nearer to Thee. It's supposedly what one of the band members also told his friend that he would play if, if he were on a sinking ship. My God Nearer to Thee. See, rehearsal is when you iron out the kinks before the real performance. When I was leading worship, I, you know, I, I would sometimes have a student during rehearsal sit down or not take the, the, the rehearsal seriously because it, it wasn't the service. And I would never let them do it. You have to play in rehearsal what you are going to play in the real deal. And this band on the Titanic had rehearsed these these songs. They knew them by heart. And here's the question. What song are we rehearsing right now? What song are you telling yourself about who God is and what he's done and where we fit into this plan? Here's the thing. We're all on a sinking ship. We have been since Adam and Eve since they sinned, since the fall. We have a real enemy, death. And one day, just like Habakkuk, we're going to see it coming over the hill. It comes for everybody. 
the song that you're rehearsing right now in the waiting is going to be the dominant tune in your life at the end. One writer said this week that the task of the church is to mug people with the reality of their own mortality before that reality comes calling. Death will come for everyone and the song you're rehearsing right now in the waiting will be the dominant tune in your life at the end. So in the quiet, the anxiety, the isolation, in your own watchtower, what song are you rehearsing? Are you in the Word and rehearsing daily the greatness of who God is, sharing testimonies with with family and strangers and whoever will listen about the good things that God has done and how He's brought you through hard times? Are you, are you keeping, maybe journaling about, about the things that, that God has done in your life and, and thanking him for it? What song is playing in your waiting right now? You remember the, the taunt song that God gave his people in, in chapter two for the Babylonians? Well, like I said, we have a very real enemy, death. We're on a sinking ship. One day it's coming over the hill. And it will overtake us. But for those who have put their trust in Jesus, the one who defeated death, the only one who defeated death through his own death, we have a taunt song. He's given us a taunt song. We find it in Isaiah. We find it in Hosea. We find it in 1 Corinthians. Church, here is the taunt song. Here is the taunt song. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. This is our taunt song against death. The reality is that we still have to pass through it. It'll still overtake all of us. That day will come calling, but there will be transformation and redemption for those who put their faith in the only one who has overcome death. Do you have that hope today? I know a crisis like COVID-19 brings out questions, brings out big questions about life, about mortality, about what's after this. We start to get mugged with the reality that we're mortal, that there's an end to this life. Where do you have to turn when that day comes? If you want that hope today, Jesus is offering it to you. Put your hope and your faith and your trust in him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Listen, if that's where you are today, please reach out. Let us know that you made that decision so we can walk alongside of you. We'd love to have uh, one of our pastors talk with you and pray with you and, and, and help guide you through what this means, what it looks like. What song are we rehearsing as we wait on God? Let's not fill up our, our, our new free time with trivial things. A little trivial is okay. But if the dominant song in our life is Tiger King right now, then this is just a train wreck waiting to happen. A little trivial is okay.
but let's not fill it up. Get alone with God and rehearse the truth in his word. Rehearse in prayer what he's done in your life. Let's elevate our eyes above the social media speculations, the news cycle, the anxiety of the unknown, and see what this crisis looks like from God's perspective. Then we'll be able to say, just like Habakkuk, that even if the tree does not bud, even if complete economic and social disaster come, even when death itself comes over that hill, we can still say with Habakkuk, yet I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. God, we want that assurance today. We crave it, we long for it, and we know it may not be the assurance that we, that we want at, at a human, real human level. We know that it may not be that, but we want assurance that it's all gonna be okay. When everything comes crashing down, God, you are there. God, help us to recite, to rehearse who you are your promises, your truth in the midst of everything else crumbling. God, we need your assurance. God, we need you to comfort us in the middle of all of this. I pray for those who are being spoken to by your spirit in a way that they realize that their trust has not been in you. And I pray that you would work in their heart and I pray that they would reach out. And I pray for all of us, God, I pray that as we're waiting on you to see what you're gonna do in this, help us to wait faithfully. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. And we thank you for tuning in today. I have two reminders for you before you go. We'd love to connect with you. There's a form link in chat right now that you can click that'll take you to Planning Center, let you uh, introduce yourself to us, let us know how you'd like to get connected. There's plenty of ways to get involved online through e-groups and various opportunities like that. We'd love to talk with you about it. So please you know, use that form to get to us and we'll, we'll introduce ourselves and help you out from there. The other thing that we want to remind you about is that we, we know how important prayer is at this time. And so there's another link in chat where it's going to give you a phone number to text and that gets us in touch with you from one of our pastors and we'd love to connect with you, pray with you, talk about things going on in your life. If you're looking for someone to speak with, we are here for you, Hillside. We thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys Easter Sunday.